My Lunch with Frank by Kester Lovelace Episode 5 Thanks for coming along on such short notice. Simon was pretty insistent that we should meet to sort things out amicably. And I thought I'd come here for an argument. Come on in. Martine, trois cafés, s'il vous plaît. I have a new blend and it's maliciously delicious. Spicy pumpkin, 100% organic. Right, messieurs. This is a serious affair. I want you to know that I have been to London to visit Dandy Dan. They weren't happy with me over there. They told me off. Dandy Dan really thinks I'm the one to blame. I wonder why. Oh, really? How come? Because I didn't inform Frank of the various developments. It was particularly embarrassant that I couldn't confirm to Frank that you were going to run the show in residence in a theatre in the Paris region. Did you lose my emails? They said that Frank would be massively reassured if you agreed to run the show in before the Sarah Bernhardt. But at our lunch, we did tell Frank that we would be running the show in. We didn't know exactly where at the time because we were still negotiating with two theatres in the suburbs. You were an email copy of all our correspondence, Simone. Yes, but you didn't tell me the residency dates. You made me look incompetent in front of them. Because the residency dates were only confirmed in the middle of the Sarah Bernard cancellation. Forgive me, but this is a catch-22 situation. We couldn't sign the contract for the residency until we'd settled the problem with Frank, whose issue, you tell us now, was that he claimed not to know about the residency. That's what they told me in Londres. But for the last two months, Frank's issue was not, are you going to run the show in before the Sarah Bernard? No, no, no. It was... I don't approve your adaptation. Which we worked with Frank's assistant to improve, by the way. So you're telling us that we've wasted all that time arguing about the adaptation when that wasn't the problem at all? All you needed to do was communicate better. And all the fuss would have been avoided. Frank can be paranoid at times, you know. Let me get this clear. You got told off by the author because you couldn't give him the dates of the residency? Really? All you needed to do was ask us. So you're telling us now that the problem is not the adaptation, but the residency dates? Well, I admit that the adaptation issue is just Frank using his moral right to block the project. So, if you tell him that we have a residency, we could unblock the project. I've got the details right here. I'll try. Great, but can I ask you why you told the Sarah Bernhardt that there was an adaptation rights issue? Because Frank asked me to. And you didn't even warn us. You know, Simone, it made us look like jokers. As if we didn't have the rights. Well, you didn't. Yes, we did. Look, listen. The thing is, by getting the Sarah Bernhardt called off, you brought down the whole project like a house of cards. The media partners, the provincial tour... Oh, come on. In whose interest is it to sabotage your work and waste people's time? You can just find another theatre and put up the play by October. Maybe you can still play at the Sarah Bernhardt if they can find another date for you. The Sarah Bernhardt? Why not? Does that mean Frank is not actually against the Sarah Bernhardt? No. That's interesting, because that's all you've been saying since we got back from the lunch in London. Écoutez, I've been in the business for 25 years. Difficult authors, troubled production, I've seen it all. I will smooth over all the misunderstandings with Frank and with the Sarah Bernhardt. Don't worry. How wonderful. But can you confirm that within a week? Because we've lost so much time. Otherwise, we'll have to have another year's extension. Oh, that's not a good idea. Not another extension. It's always better to strike while the iron is hot. In that case, we need red-hot answers. Can you ring the Sarah Bernard now? I will. Straight after our meeting. Trust me. 
Leave me with the information about the residence, and I'll be in touch. Oh, you didn't like my wicked brew. Sorry, there was a, a funny taste. A couple of days later, it wasn't the coffee. It was the tea that I was spitting out. No, Lester, please, not again. Just give me a minute. It's fine, Augustin, tell me. It's an email from Simone. She says that she rang the Saint Bernard and the October slot is definitively out. But other dates might possibly be available later in the season. <laughs> Lester, put, put your croissant down when you're talking. You're right. Oh, just about. She said that? She also suggests that we carry on looking for other theatres and that she will help us. Yeah, right. I'll believe that when I see it. Madam Insincere. Come on, Lester. Augustin, sorry, I, I gotta go. Wait, 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 that's not all. She says that Michelle is on her way to Paris and will deliver the definitive version of the text. Apparently, she's expecting 25% of the overall translator's rights. <laughs> Lester, what did I just say? You're impossible. Sorry, Augustin. The tea went down the wrong way. So it turns out, Mousy Michelle is actually a dark horse, the power behind the throne. She's now come centre stage. She wants her moment in the spotlight. Where did this 25% condition suddenly spring from? Good question. Well, if you follow the email thread, there's a message from Dandy Dan to Simone. Oh, she can't even cover her traces. Go on. Simone wrote to Dandy after our meeting on Monday to clear up the misunderstandings. And did she clear them up? I don't know. Dandy just says, There is no way that Frank can authorise a production about which he has absolutely no information. No information? I know. Someone's forgetting that at the lunch we talked about staging and set designs, we showed him the costume sketches, you explained your approach to directing the actors. Maybe just like in his novel, we had lunch with the wrong Frank. Put your teacup down, there's more. Oh, even more? According to Dandy Dan, Frank has been repeatedly asking for the production schedule, but has had no answer. Difficult to have a schedule when your agent has cancelled the show. I'd like to shove the schedule right up where the sun don't shine. Mmm, what a delightful breakfast we're having. And... More? Dandy has asked for confirmation of Michelle's 25% and requested details of the residency. Which we gave to Simon on Monday again. Jeez! I'm going to say that paying Michelle has never been on the table, especially as the work only involves correcting the famous few tiny details. Yes, Michelle is a proofreader, no more, no less. And seriously, I cannot sanction this new version without seeing it first, especially if song lyrics have been changed. I'll need time to check it properly. Time that we don't have. We'll never get the show produced for the coming season. We need them to extend the rights for another year. Oh, God. In any case, it looks like we're back arguing about the adaptation when, according to Simon on Monday, this has never been the issue. I think we've known that from the beginning. This is heading for stalemate. Or worse. Prepare yourself for disappointment. If I don't get clear answers and the commitment from Frank and his agents within two weeks, I'm pulling out. I'm sorry. From then on, I had plenty of time to speculate on who had abused whose moral rights. Despite contacting Simone again, Augustin had no reply from her by the deadline he set in March. Gograb suggested that Augustin write up a state of play document, explaining why and how the cancellation of the Sarah Bernhardt had endangered, if not outright killed, our production. 
So he wrote a thorough dossier, outlining his position and retracing the history of the project, the people and the money involved. It was all there. By the end of May, Augustin had still heard nothing in return, not even acknowledgement of receipt of the dossier. Goldgrab sent a gentle reminder to Simon, which did finally elicit a terse phone message telling him that extending the rights was out of the question as it's still perfectly possible to produce the play before the deadline in February next year. She went on saying that we should stop harassing Frank with our demands and that Frank has been patient and generous enough. Pinch me. Accepting Augustin's money twice is the author being generous. I met Augustin for the last time at Goldgrab's office. It's clear that they're obstructing you from producing the show. You can take legal proceedings, Augustin, for breach of contract. You have a very solid case. You should expose them, Augustin. You can't let them win. We've been wronged. But I must warn you, in matters of authors' rights, Paris courts don't award much money. You may reasonably expect more in England, but a court case there costs a fortune. That is, if the author chooses to be defended by his London lawyer. You can't just write off all the money you've spent in the last two and a half years and let them get away with it. Maybe sometimes... You have to cut your losses and move on. Don't make any decisions now, Augustin. Give it some thought. I think he'd already made his decision even before leaving the office. The very same evening, faced with Simone's hostility and the silence from Frank, Augustin announced in a short and dignified email to the star-crossed twins team that the project was definitively and irretrievably over. But, as our beloved author once wrote... You've got to have an ending if a start has been made. I wasn't finished. I was angry. Angry about having spent so long trying to reason with unreasonable people. Angry that, in an absent-minded moment, I missed a step getting off a train and broke my wrist. This meant that I was useless around the house and couldn't drive the kids to their activities. And it brought about more tension with Estelle. This anger stayed with me a long time, well after Augustin terminated the project at the end of May. In August, I should have been running round and round like a madman, putting the finishing touches to the rehearsal schedule, making sure everything was in place for that first day of work for the October premiere. Instead, I was torturing myself and those around me for answers to what had gone wrong. Hey, guess what? I've got tickets for that hot new show at the Sarah Bernhardt. Everyone's talking about it. Do we have to go? It's a bit painful, especially at that theatre. You'll love it. You'll see. It's all about getting back on the horse, isn't it? If you say so. Well, I hated it. Mm Mm-hmm. I could tell. Everyone around could tell. You make it very clear when you don't like something. You sigh and fidget in your seat. But it was terrible. It was loud, it was pretentious. How could everyone else like it so much? Not just a bit of envy in there? Well, of course, I don't deny it. As soon as the lights went down, I just imagined what the twins would have been like on that stage. And at the end, with all that rapturous applause, I felt a pinching in my heart. Well, a glass of wine or two will sort that out. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't face going for a meal now. Can we just go home, please? I feel physically unwell. Yeah, well, with you in this mood, you're not exactly a barrel of laughs. You know what? I'm done with theatre. 
Mr. Melodrama, when are you going to move on, Lester? I can't. La bitch lied to cover herself. <sighs> and what about Frank? I just don't get why he doesn't care about the show not being produced in France. You know what? I really don't care. That's what you should be worried about. The summer came to an end. It was a year on from the production of our glorious teaser, which you can still find on YouTube, by the way. Oh, smells good. You know, technically, Augusta still holds the performance rights. Wouldn't it be just brilliant if the agents gave the rights to someone else and we find out and we block them and bring down Simone in the process? Ta-da! I don't believe this. You're still fantasizing about this. I can't help it. I still love the star-crossed twins, Estelle. And me? Do you love me? What is this? Life imitating art? Do you want to end up like the twins? No, of course not. But I just wonder what if we'd never gone to lunch with Frank? I just can't deal with this! Now who's being melodramatic? Lester, you have to hear this. It's really time for you to move on. This can't continue. You're impatient, you lose your temper, you don't even look at me, let alone... I just don't... I don't... I feel crap. Your poor, bruised ego. Stop playing the victim. Everyone else is the problem, not you. Even the kids. What have they done? It's totally unfair. Well, it's a good lesson for them. Life isn't fair. Oh, you don't have to put everyone through injustice. We can't be around you anymore when you're like this. You just keep going around and around in circles. Thanks for your support. Oh, I have given you my support. I have tried everything. I have lived through this project with you from the beginning, but it's completely blinded you to anything else. What about me and the kids? I'm done. What do you mean? We're going to need some time apart. Your hero, Frank, not to mention Simone and all the others, they've behaved really badly. They're all mediocre, hypocritical, dishonest, but you've let yourself be taken in. Sort it out, Lester. When you've done the work on yourself, then I'll think about coming back. When I'd taken the project on nearly three years before, I'd been so excited to be bringing one of the UK's national treasures to France. To be working with some of the best musical theatre actors in Paris. To imagine staging a show in front of 2,000 people. To be hearing those show-stopping songs belted out. To wallow in the standing ovations. To be congratulated by my hero after the first night over a glass of champagne. No, a bottle that we would have downed easily. Even him. And to be inundated with offers to direct all sorts of shows for the rest of my life. All those things that I'd been smiling about back on All Saints Day, on the way to lunch with St. Frank. What a waste. Whereas Augustin bounced back and went on to produce and direct all sorts of noble, successful projects, I slid into depression. I started by feeling sorry for myself. Like after a breakup, when you promise yourself that you're never going to fall in love again, you're never going to start again with someone new. If we couldn't get this show on, what chance of getting anything else on? But just like the end of a relationship, people kept wanting to know what was going on. It was such a drag having to talk about it. How's the show going? People would ask. Weren't you supposed to be doing that big musical soon? I had a huge sense of failure having to explain what had happened, 
when I didn't even understand myself. I even walked out of the acting school where I was teaching. I didn't have a contract, so it didn't matter. So much for contracts. A deal was not a deal. I wanted nothing more to do with theatre. I'd seen myself standing on the shoulders of giants, which meant that my fall was hard and long. I even wrote to Frank at one point. He didn't bother to reply. My hero had turned out to have feet of clay, and I've never really got rid of the bad taste I had in my mouth in that last meeting with Simone. We both knew it wasn't her wicked brew coffee. She asked then a very pertinent question. In whose interest is it to sabotage your work and waste people's time? Years later, I'm still wondering. In episode 5 of My Lunch with Frank by Kester Lovelace, Kester Lovelace played Lester, Oscar Lesage, Augustin, Vivienne Vermes, Madame Goldgrab, and Julie Callier, Simone. Manon Clavel was Estelle. The sound was designed by Laurent Paulray. My Lunch with Frank was directed and produced by Joanna Schibist. <laughs>